Welcome to Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction podcast. Loving someone with an addiction is a life of chaos. This podcast is to help you take back your power and build strength, hope, and restore peace in your life. We use the science and art of positive psychology, professionals in their field, along with personal stories of hope, resilience, and strength. We hope you can discover how the courage to focus on you can help put your life back together. When you are in a place of exhaustion, hopelessness, and emptiness, we are a community that knows all too well the turmoil that comes from loving someone with an addiction. We are here to help you compassionately struggle well. Hey there, Andrea here. I hope you're doing as good as you can be. I'm really excited. I know I say that a lot, but I have such an amazing guest on the show and I've had the privilege and honor to work with this person. You're going to love her. We're going to talk all about things when you're caught in the line of fire, the line of fire that comes with addiction. And we're going to talk about this idea that so much anger is cast upon us. And I'm I just, I remember when I was in the muck of loving someone with an addiction, it was just so hard. I was constantly thinking like I remember saying to myself too like I'm not the problem like I would be like totally like yelled at and like you know um so it was so interesting so I thought this is such a great episode for us to delve into so without further ado I am welcoming you Josie Smith to the show thank you so much for being here Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. I'm excited to get into this and, you know, uh, continue some of the deep chats that we've had uh, working together on this topic. Yes. Okay. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm um I'm a life coach. I've been doing life coaching for for years now and I started a company called Solely Life Coaching where uh conscious-minded professionals find fertile ground to get unstuck in their relationships uh with their self-identity and their life path. I'm known as the self-awareness incubator and holding up a mirror to my clients to help them really see the cycles that are keeping them stuck. Oh, I love that self-awareness incubator. That is just gold. Because as we know, you know, you have to look at yourself and turn inward because we don't have control over anyone else around us. And one of my favorite expressions that's in your bio and on your website and just like a part of who you are is this concept. And I love the way you put it is like, you got to sweep your own front porch. (laughs) Right. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah. You know, you know, I'm going to probably paraphrase this incorrectly, but forgive me. Um, It comes from an old um, proverb and essentially it's this idea that in order to change the world, we have to start first by sweeping our own front porch. And so for me, that really is all about stepping up in your life, leveling up how you're feeling, who you're being, how you're showing up, um, and also practicing compassion for yourself and for others. And that's a big part of the work that I do is helping us tap into self-forgiveness and uh, creating space for people in our lives who may be actually toxic that are, are even family members or um, loved ones that we don't really necessarily want to, uh, you know, have their their energy infiltrating us. And, and so part of the sweeping your own front porch is to really learn how you can detach and move away from, um, you know, the 
heightened energy of two egos coming at each other, right? So mm. yeah, it, it's it's a big part of my philosophy. You know, it really stems into that space of deeper self-awareness. I love it. And the aspect too is that all the listeners here are people who love someone, individuals who love someone with an addiction. And right. uh, when you bring up this idea about toxic people or toxic relationships or, and when uh, the thing with addiction is, is that it's ugly, it's messy, it's full of gaslighting, manipulation, lies, and you know they're protecting their addiction. It's confusing. Sometimes it's hidden. There's denial. There's, there's so much that goes on when you love someone with an addiction. So we, uh, when we're sober or when we're like, you know, we're caught in the, the crossfire, what is that expression? Anyway, I think it's caught in the crossfire, um, yeah. uh, of their, you know, what's going on for them. Uh, it is so hard. So I love this idea of turning inward, focusing on you, sweeping your own front porch. But at the same time, I would love to delve into this idea of anger and toxic uh, energy and people around us. And, and mm -hmm. so what's your insight? First of all, how are, how did you get started in all this, all this, like uh, what's your story, yeah. your own personal story? We should start My there. Own story. <laughs> yeah. Great. No, I love it, Andrea. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll give you the Coles notes version version. Essentially I've always been called to the deeper questions of life. You know, even as a really young person, I remember being so curious about what, what does this mean? Why are we here? Who am I? And I was drawn to philosophy and, and I started a journey in yoga. I'm a certified yoga and mindfulness teacher through the International Shiva Vandana Centers. And so that's a big part of my practice. And when it comes to people and working with people, I was so, so drawn to to working as a life coach when I learned that it was actually a career uh, back in 2004. And in my own journey of of living and growing and, and failing forward, I, I've been in love with uh, someone who was an addict. And I've also experienced relationships where um, there was an addictive cycle in those relationships, even if they weren't um, your traditional addictions to, let's say, drugs or alcohol or, you know, sex or TV or, yeah. Yeah. So you've, you've lived it. You're one of us. <laughs> I'm one of you. Yes. Yes. I Yay, totally am. And I want to celebrate, um, your, like your career path and now you're helping so many people. And, um, and so what is your main mission? Like, so if you know that you are loving someone with a, an addiction, you're in perhaps what you're categorizing as a toxic relationship, you're in the line of fire, so to speak, how do we help ourselves out of that? What What are some tools and strategies that you can recommend for us? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think it comes in, in a bunch of layers. So the first layer of thought I have is, and I'm sure you've touched on these before, are you safe? You know, that's the first thing I think about. Are you safe? Are you actually safe? And if you're not safe, how do you become safe? And, and that's a big piece. If you are safe, and this is a cycle of, you know, a maintainable cycle, that's in your life. Uh, one of the things that, you know, I think is really essential is realizing that the anger is not about you. So if you're in the line of fire, if you're getting, um, if you're walking on eggshells, if you're the brunt of someone's down days, then it's, it's really about deciding, Hey, are you going to stay in the relationship? And if you are, how do you help heal uh, the space? And so, you know, that's really about learning your own uh, 
triggers and understanding that fire with fire really does not uh, create a solution. And so it's about de-escalating. Um, there's a big piece there. I think you would really want to try to de-escalate situations. Often saying nothing and leaving um, is great. One of the things too that you could do is prep your person ahead of time. If that's an option that you will leave, that you will say nothing if they are showing up to you with anger that is not really about you. And even if they are, you know, being vile with their words or maybe they're blaming you or bringing anger that actually is directed at you, you can design with them in moments that you have clarity or they have clarity that you will not accept or take on that energy and have a plan with your partner that you will be exiting the situation, that you will be, um, going to a different room in your house, perhaps, or maybe you actually leave your house. Mm, oh my God. So many good th- suggestions there. So first <laughs> of all, the first one is, are you safe? That is such a great place to start because yes, that is number one, 100%. The other thing that you bring up that's so great. That is that anger is not about you. And I yeah. use that example in the introduction too, about, you know, I remember thinking like, like getting blamed for everything. And I'm just like, you know, walking on eggshells around my house, like trying to, you know, kids go upstairs, like, so that you're not around when he comes in, because like, you know, the, the mood mood swings and the, you know, the anger Mm -hmm. that comes along with, you know, either they're coming down or, you know, that comes with addiction is, it's quite tremendous. I'm protecting my kids, obviously, and things like that. And so I remember thinking like, um, you know, oftentimes that there would be a fight picked and that there were, my buttons were being pushed and it'd be so easy to react. And I remember thinking and saying like, I am not your problem. Like (laughs) this is all you. And it's Mm -hmm. almost like, I like that idea that anger is that anger is not about you when it comes, when it, when it's addiction, right. It's like literally stepping back. It's almost like, um, just detaching that little bit or having that mindset, like, this isn't me, like, this is all you, right? And it's almost like detaching and taking a little bit of space is so powerful, so powerful. So I'd love to talk more about that, creating that space. And I love that you talk about this idea of fighting fire with fire just doesn't work. And I remember when um, I was in the muck of it, I remember thinking like, if I did react or if I did, you know, it'd be useless anyway, because you know what, he's just going to come home tomorrow, write me a love letter and like apologize and like, you know, all this stuff. And it's Mm -hmm. almost like, it's like, why waste your energy, Andrea? Like it got to the point. It's like, don't even waste your energy. Just like, don't, they're not not logical in their thinking anyway. So, um, so that's interesting. So yeah, I like that. Like holding space. That's such a great thing. So the next thing you said was deescalate. That is like a wonderful word because we're at the brunt of things. So how do we de-escalate? Let's talk about that because there's there's a lot of strategies, I'm sure there. There, there are completely. I think a, a great tool to de-escalate is to name, the, name what's happening. So name what you're experiencing. That could show up in the form of, I can see that you're angry and upset right now. I, I, I understand that there's something going on for you. Uh, I I don't want to become angry and upset along with you. I'd like to stay in a place of calm. What do you need from me in order to go there? I mean, I know it sounds like you're bartering a little bit with this person, but ultimately when you pose a question to them and tell them exactly what it is that you need, they now have an opportunity to meet you there. If they don't meet you there, then obviously that might be where you're in plan B, where you're like, I'm sorry this is happening for you. I'm happy to talk to you about this at another time when you're less 
angry. As you know, I'm moving away from anger. So I'm going to go into the living room or I'm going to go in the bathroom or I'm going to leave the house. I'll come back when. Um, another place of de-escalating in, you know, it, it really is situational. If it's someone who's, you know, I remember when I was in my own experience of this, it would just be like a real, the grayest possible cloud coming into the room and really feeling like, oh God, like on eggshells and knowing that, like you had said earlier, picking a fight, like, and knowing that a fight is coming. And so I would almost get ahead of it where I'd be like, okay, I know this isn't going to go well. I'm just going to, you know, ultimately leave the situation because I want to stay in a calm state. I want to protect my own energy. Um, and then again, at that situation, at that place, you can acknowledge, Hey, hon, I'm noticing that your the energy is a little bit thick. How are you feeling? You know, um, being available in some regards could actually be a way to de-escalate versus exiting. I mean, and you know, I, like I said, it's, it's usually pretty situational. And I know if you're listening and you're in a particular situation, it's true for you. And so you're, you're going to have to use your own intuition as well to kind of get a sense for, Hey, what are the cycles that have been repeating? What do I know has worked and hasn't worked? And then start to create your own guidebook for yourself around what's working. Um, and before we jump ahead to, I just, you know, something that is just really strong inside of me right now is, is that you don't deserve this. This isn't what's meant for you. Mm. Your life could be so much more uh, healthy and supportive, and you deserve to be in a relationship that's mutual, respectful, and loving. And so if you're listening to this and thinking, oh, well, how do I do this? How do I do this? Because I remember being there myself going, oh, how can I make this better? How can I make this better? You can make it better by, by leaving. And I know that's a really tough pill to swallow if you are in love with someone who is struggling. Um, it's not to say that leaving is the answer. If someone's willing to work with you, is meeting you halfway, is willing to try therapies, and, and you guys are working together towards a solution, and you're in love and there's reasons to stay, great. But if it's not, and you found yourself for the 20, 30th, 40th, 100th time, making a list of all of the ways that you could try to make it better, it's not you. It's not you. It's not you. Yeah. So, so many nuggets here. First of all, I have to tell you that that was one of the titles of the book that I played with. You don't deserve this. Yeah. <laughs> loving, yeah. Loving someone with an addiction. So it was so funny because that was one of the titles that I was playing with, but I ended up saving you as killing me, loving someone with an addiction. But, um, so right. it's so neat that you say that because it's so true and it touches, it just touches your heart and you, and we all know it right yeah. now. I have to bring up that some, some of the listeners are parents. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're oh, right. sisters, yes. brothers. And so it's not like, so sometimes you, you, you can't necessarily, you know, disown or leave your child, yes. right? It's forever in your life. I feel sort of blessed in a way that, you know, mine was a spouse. So mine was like, right. able to be, like removed from my life. Um, so in that situation, um, loving from a distance and, and strategies of mm -hmm. detachment, exactly what you're talking about today, I will probably help them as well. Yeah. Um, Something that's coming up for me, I, I know I might be interrupting, but on that regard, when it comes to parents, I think it's so important to get out of the head game of self-blame. 
I can only imagine, I'm not a parent myself, but God, I could only imagine the inventory that might go on in a parent's mind if their child or adult child is experiencing addiction. And there's nothing that you did or didn't do that put your child in this position. And it's just so important to realize that yes, our upbringing, our environment has an impact, but addiction is a disease and this isn't your fault. And I think elevating up out of the emotion of guilt is really sweeping our own front porch when it comes to parent-child relationships and being able to have an adult-adult relationship, even if it's a parent to an adult child who's an addict, that is going to elevate the experience and really provide insight so the two individuals can meet each other outside of the parent-to-child role-playing. And they're meeting each other as adult-adult where respect, boundaries, um, all of the wonderful things that we have with those relationships that are healthy, we can then start creating with the relationships that are not as healthy. Yay. Oh my gosh. I knew I wanted you on the show because you just like, you can, you can go girl. I swear. So, I, okay. So first of all, the D uh, escalate. So name it. So let's go back to that. So naming yeah. it, um, honoring. Okay. Yes. This, there's anger here. There's frustration. I am the brunt of it. Um, mm-hmm. you're caught in the line of fire. Um, and then kind of detaching yourself from it, calming yourself down and recognizing that, you know what, this is not about me. So creating that space and then almost getting ahead of it, have a plan in place when you know you're going to be maybe presented with anger or caught mm-hmm. in that line of fire. Um, and then and having calm communication, I see you're frustrated. I know what you're doing right now. I'm not your problem, you know, like calmly. And I used to call that the gray stone, right? Where you act like gray stone. And you're like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Everything you're saying. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't agree, but okay. Yeah. We'll talk about it later because I don't want to have this conversation right now. <laughs> right. Yes. And then I love this idea of elevate out of guilt. Can we talk about that? Because guilt is definitely an emotion that goes hand in hand with loving someone with an addiction. I mean, we worry if we leave them that they're going to, you know, uh, overdose or we, you know, we worry uh, on so many levels, we feel partially responsible for their addiction and um, we take ownership of it. So let's talk a little bit of this wonderful opportunity to elevate. And I love the way you put it. It's almost like getting stuck underwater or like you sit on a (laughs) stool in water and you just can't get your head up. Oh yeah. Um, I love this idea, elevating out of guilt. So ta- let's right. talk about that. Yeah. So when I think about elevating up out of guilt, it, initially my thinking is you have to know if you're in a guilt cycle. Now, if you are hearing this and you're thinking, oh God, that's me. Well, yeah, it is. If you're not sure, it's really about being able to get up over top of the situation and and really look at this and go, hey, am I, am I, being drawn back into this because of a guilt. And if I am guilty, what do I feel guilty for? You can even do some private work on your own of journaling. What am I, what do I feel guilty for? And this may stem back to some incident way back in your relationship trajectory that actually has nothing to do with the current situation, but is keeping you hooked because it's an un, unconscious experience in you that is keeping you going back in and back in because you want to, um, what's the word, have redemption or you want to feel, feel forgiven for something that may have nothing at all to do with the current state of 
your experience with this, you know, cycle of someone who's being aggressive and angry with you because of their addiction. So it's really important to be able to see clearly, right? And and I often, you know, help people see clearly. Uh, that's definitely a part of the work I do, but I'm sure there's lots of other ways that you could see clearly, get help, get support, talk to a friend, talk to a close mentor, someone who you could lean into to get perspective. When we're facing it, we're like, you know, that, you know, you're, you're so close to it, you can't see it. So elevating up at a guilt, when, when you know you're in a guilt cycle, then it's all about going and watching and noticing mindfully, hey, when am I triggered by guilt? And you'll have a guilt response. So you want to look at what is my guilt response? And your guilt response is likely physical. So it could be my guilt response is a punch in the stomach feeling. My guilt response is a heavy shoulder feeling. My guilt response is a busy head, debating, inner critic. Like it, there's so many ways it can show Lump up. Lump in the throat. <laughs> Lump in the throat. Yeah, yeah, totally. For me, it's like goosebumpy. I can be like, ooh, or like, ooh, I feel sick, sick to my stomach. Um, and so once you notice, okay, and you have an idea of what your guilt response is, you can notice it. And then you look for when it's triggered. Oh, when is that triggered? And then when you see the pattern, you'll start to notice if you're paying close attention when this guilt is being triggered. And then you can start to rewrite the narrative. So it's like, oh, my guilt is triggered when I feel helpless that I cannot support this person where they are. Well, no one who's dealing with someone who's a, an addict can help them truly. So it's a vicious cycle to some degree, but really it's about then unplugging and going instead of the story of, Oh God, I can't help. I'm useless. Let's say that's the story. You start saying the story. I am an open and loving conduit of support for this person where they are from where I am with what I have and all that I know. So, I mean, that's okay. You need to say that again, please. I love that narrative. Yeah, so I'll try. Um, I'm a loving, open conduit of support for, for where you are, from where I am with what I have and all that I know. So, you know, we have to respect the fact that we only have the tools that we're, we currently have, you know, and so does our partner who, or our child or our family member or a friend who's a, an addict. They have what they have, the tools that they have they're using. So until you become emboldened or, or you have access to other air, you know, elements, you, you know, you're going to be working a with the cycle you're in, but also B, you have to have a place of self-forgiveness that this is human, that we actually all have these varying dependencies and intricacies as to any, to, to, you know, different degrees. So, I mean, compassion for me and humility is such a huge part of any practice of relationship building where, you get out of being right and you get into being the, the solution focused where you're not trying to be right because, you know, but you're really trying to elevate and create solutions for the situation that you're in. Amazing. I love everything that you said. All your words are so powerful, such as unplug, changing the narrative, right? Rewriting it um, mm -hmm. from a place of empower, being empowered, right? And also elevate yeah. out of it. I love this. I get this visual of almost like a helicopter, like taking off and going up and hovering above and looking down and being a yes. spectator of what's going on down there. It's like, wait a second, a nice yes. way to detach. And I know sometimes we, I remember Googling how to detach, <laughs> like how to, <laughs> how to not care how to detach. Yeah. And um, this is such a nice perspective. It's almost like, yes, pulling yourself back from it a little bit. And there's an expression, you can't read the label when you're inside the jar. 
And so by, you know, pulling yourself back and getting out of the jar, so to speak, it's really nice because you're able to gain perspective and and understand and, and recognize that it's not, it's not you, it's not about you. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and let's jump into this idea of self-forgiveness. That is challenging, but let's, let's talk it through. Let's think about um, the actionable nuggets that the listeners can, can have. Yeah. 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 100%. I love how you're articulating these points back. It's just, Oh, I'm feeling so jazzed. Thank you for having me here. Um, so self-forgiveness, you know, this for me is a, is a constant evolution pro, uh, process. You know, there, there's, there's, when I think about my own journey and my own experience, I was in a romantic partnership where addiction was a part of the, the, the story. And I actually, I left and I was in my mid thirties. Um, and there was a big piece of me that felt like I had made the decision at that time that predicted whether or not I may or may not have children. And it wasn't black and white, like, because I left, I would miss that mother window, but it turns out I never did end up having children. So there, you, as you, you know, you know, a little bit of my history and the story and the, and the work that I'm doing and, you know, we have to be able to forgive ourselves for what we tolerated when we were coming from a place of love. And also, depending on your situation, it's traumatizing to be in an addictive relationship. You're zapped. Even if you do, quote unquote, break the cycle and, and leave or break the cycle in it and things get better, you really need to have a space of friendliness towards all of the parts of yourself that had been on the back burner while you were managing, tolerating, and dealing with this disruptive nature in your life. And so, you know, like self-forgiveness is about going, A, I'm going to give myself time to mend and to heal. B, I'm going to forgive myself for the number of times that I did X when I knew I should have done Y. Um, I, you know, because we aren't operating at our best. There's just no way we're zapped. Our nerves are fried. We're, you know, I think I was in a state of PTSD after the experience of four, three years, three and a half years of being in that nuanced, uh, delicate balance of trying to be the best I could be for someone who couldn't see. So, yes. yeah. That's incredible. I And yeah, self-forgiveness is challenging, but it's just taking a step back and that whole piece of self-compassion, right? Is And I remember thinking I chose wrong. Like I, you know, I remember mm. thinking like, uh, how did I put up with so much? Am I stupid? Or like, you know, here yeah. I am rubbing Vicks on his chest to help with his chronic sinus infection. Like how, how come I'm like, how come I didn't see it? I remember thinking, how come I didn't notice it sooner? And how, did, why did I put my kids through all that? And like all that, that narrative that was so draining and so hard on me and so sad, um, mm-hmm. I, I needed to change that. And that's that self-forgiveness piece. And I, I too did a lot of journaling and self-reflection and I rewrote the narrative. Like, no, I didn't choose wrong. I had a lovely relationship. He was an amazing person before addiction took hold. And that's yeah. the person that I fell in love with. And I love the way you put it too, is I showed up from a place of love and, and just generosity and kindness because that's the person I am. So there's right. actually nothing, you know, bad about that, right? So I was showing right. up in that way and um and I was taken advantage of. And so I just 
Yes, you're so right. There's so much, it's traumatizing. And, and oftentimes a lot of people come out of, you know, trauma bonding and post-traumatic stress disorder from the things that they go through when they love someone with an addiction. It's yeah. tough, it's challenging. So self-forgiveness, it's like almost talking to yourself. It's like, it makes sense. It makes sense yes. that my nerves are snapped. It makes sense yes. that I am like, you know, just depleted. It makes sense that you know, there's no, so no guilt there. It's like, yes, it makes sense. I'm, I'm a human. Like I'm not a robot. Like it's, you know, and just being friendly to yourself. Like, what are you needing right now? What love do you need? So if you can't get it from your significant other or from your children or your, you know, anyone around you, it's like, how can you make yourself feel calm? How can you make yourself feel safe and, um, and love? Yeah. I know you, 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 you summarize that so well. And I think, um, Asking for help. That's the one thing. If I could go back, I would have had more help. You know, I would have gone and done more therapy. I didn't know. I, I was very much like, and I, there's this line in the, in, you know, part of the writing that I'm doing. And it's like, I was a, a life coach who hated her life. And so I, I was like, so getting out of that, I was like, oh my God, I like, how could I screw this up so bad? I, I know all of the no's, I have all the, you know, the tools and I, you know, I had such shame, shame. and God, if I had have gone and, and gotten more help at that time to really unpack that, but I was so proud, not to mention, you know, I was financially strapped. I was coming out of some a very affluent experience and then on my own two feet and trying to make it all work. So we make excuses, but ultimately it is so worth it. Go get the help that you need, get the support that you need. Um, so you can recover and actually attract what it is you truly want in your life. And I know I'm par primarily speaking to romantic partnerships, but this, you know, I've seen even with my own client work where there's been situations where it can really disrupt parent-child relationships can really disrupt how you're able to live your life. Like, you know, you can't choose what you want to choose. It's, 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 it's boundary breaking or it's difficult. So, you know, there's a concept I talk about in, in my work as a coach and it's like loving yourself first. And, and really that's like the sweeping of your own porch. We really do owe it to ourselves to, to love ourselves first and not from a selfish standpoint, but from a spiritually enlightened standpoint of when I can love me and all of my parts, I can love others and all of their parts and the world becomes a better place. Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh. Uh, first of all, that is hilarious. I'm a life coach and I hated my life. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is something's really not right here. So I can relate that too, because I have all this training and psychology and like resilience and things like that. And going through the muck of loving someone with an addiction was the hardest thing I have ever gone through. And I'm like, I should be able to fix him. I should be able to help him. Like I believe in him more than anybody else. Um, you know, those things. So it's, it's, it's incredible. Um, this concept too, I love how you bring it up too, is that, um, oh, what did you say? It was so good. It's, it slipped my mind now. Um, basically <laughs> loving yourself, rescuing yourself and, and turning inward and sweeping yeah. your own, you brought it full circle, sweep, sweeping your own front porch. And so let's go into that. Let's think of really concrete, wonderful ways that's beyond you know, taking a bath and throwing bath balls in a thing or going and getting your nails done. Like, let's talk about really wonderful ways that we can love ourselves or that the listeners can, can take away here. Right. You know what? It's interesting. It's such a brave question because 
it takes a lot. I, when we, you know, I love that you bring up this idea of self-care, which is like taking the nails, the hair, the bath. Those things are so important. And yes. believe me, I'm a, a daily baby. I'm not minimizing those. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But when it comes to loving yourself first, you have to be able to look inside yourself and notice how are you perpetuating what isn't working in your experience. And by no means do I ever want to victimize the victim here. And that's not what I'm talking about, but it is about being honest enough with yourself to be able to let go of the lies that you might be telling yourself to stay where you are. So there's this loving yourself first. It's yeah, it's okay. Okay, I want to, I want to delve into that because it's so good. Cause I remember lying to myself. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. It's going to come back the person that he was before. Like I, you know, I, so I would love to delve into this idea. And I know this is your forte of getting honest with yourself. Like what is that inkling or that intuition or that inner voice or that, that nagging, like, what is that, that we're ignoring? And, And I love this idea idea of how you love yourself first the first step is getting honest with yourself so how do we do that Josie talk to me (laughs) the million dollar question um how you do that honestly is getting like being bold and being brave I I mean you really you know you know you already know the lie you already know the lies that you're telling yourself. And so it's not about, and this is really important. It's not about going, oh yeah, I am lying to myself. I'm a horrible person. Or, oh, I'm lying to myself about this. God, I'm so weak or I'm so, you know, whatever. It's not at all about that. It's about going, oh, now I can see. Because what I truly wish for myself is to feel harmony, is to feel respected, What I truly wish for myself is to be seen for my efforts for to be acknowledged for what it is that I contribute and who I am and how I, how I do this life. So by being honest with yourself, you can get clear with what you really want. And when you know what you really want, then you're, then you're capable of going out and creating it. Oftentimes when we're not loving ourselves first, it's all about outside of ourselves, what they want, how I can make them happy, who I can please. A lot of people that are in addictive relationships, parent, child, or romantic, or what have you, are completely people pleasers because they likely had an an addicted or disassociated parent when they were a child. So it's repetitive, right? Like we're in these cycles, they're passed down. So loving yourself first is the act of getting some support to help see yourself, holding up the mirror, getting in touch with what is it that I'm doing that's keeping me blind or allowing me to tolerate or keeping me stuck. Um, I asked a client recently in a coaching call this question, um, why are you tolerating this? And I want to just clarify that I don't work with people who have um, addictive partners. It's not my, you know, forte, although I have, but I asked this person, you know, I do a lot of boundaries work and, you know, why are you, why are you tolerating this? And we whittled it down that actually she was tolerating this particular situation in order to have her own freedom, but it wasn't really actually giving her freedom. It was causing her more stress and strain and struggle. So I was like, let's get you out of this cycle of thinking by tolerating this, you'll get the freedom you need and figure out how do we get you the freedom that you need? Oh, that's so deep. Yeah. So it's, 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 I don't think, 
it's necessarily a solo journey. Reach out on on YouTube, Google it, get books. One of my favorite books of spiritual development and and, and the journey beyond yourself is this untethered soul. Um, It's it's a deep, thick, heady read. Um, If you're new to self-help, this might not be your first step on the path, but- I should highlight it. I'll highlight it on a future podcast. Yeah. Yeah, And then the road less- yeah, The Road Less Traveled is another really great yes. book. Um, I've sought out teachers. Go on a retreat. Um, you know, carve out, be be radically um, committed to your own sense of joy. And, and you imagine, what would that be like? Like, how would you your day go if you were radically committed to your own sense of joy? Ooh, radically committed to your own sense of joy. What would that look like? I love that question. And it's so amazing. It's like, yes, it's like, why are you tolerating this? It's like getting into that source or like thinking about what it is. Like I know for me, I was scared to be alone. One of the the reasons I tolerated Mm -hmm. so much is that I was holding on to the person that he used to be and not being honest about the person he'd become. And that was a little lie that I was telling myself. And then also because I was scared, I was scared to be alone. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, back into the dating world, what? Or, you know, like carrying the house on my own, everything like that. Like there's so many things. Yeah. So just getting honest. I love that. That's, that's one way to love yourself first is to understand what you're saying is get honest with yourself. Um, Be brave, be bold, like to tap into that and, and, you know, ask yourself those tough questions. And then yeah. I love this idea is that'll help you break the cycle. And then also to look inside yourself, you talk about this thing, like holding up a mirror, getting honest with yourself, but then also what would, what would it be like to like go through your day where joy you, you're, you're attracting joy, where joy is for, like where you can capture joy for yourself. I hope right. I captured what you said. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? You're so brilliant. You're so brilliant at this and, and all that you do. You're such a light. So when you were talking just now, it made me think about some, a couple other ideas around loving yourself first. And, um, one of the thoughts for me was this idea too, of like, I have this, like this concept of being self-full, and, and it's not selfish, but really about being self-full. And so how do you honor your needs? And often when we're in relationships, addiction or not, we aren't necessarily operating from the place of honoring our own needs. We're thinking of honoring someone else's needs. Yes. And so when we really start to look at how can I honor my own needs, that starts to change your own thinking and narrative narrative and paradigm about how you're approaching your day-to-day experience. Well, if you have a need to be safe, if you have a need to be around uh, community, if you have a need like myself, when I was in my, my situation, a need to feel financially safe and supported, not only can you start to manifest that, but with the new knowledge, it's like this beacon that says, guess what? Now you've got to do the hard work of helping yourself, of being your own hero. And that's what keeps us stuck is because it's not easy. It actually is some heavy lifting when we have to get out of this experience or change the dynamics of these relationships because it puts us in the driver's seat of our life and we no longer get to play victim. We have to actually act and take cho- make choices and move away from what we don't want and start moving towards what we do want. And that's a bold, bold, brave act. Okay, Josie, we're going to have to re- listen back to this podcast and put this all in your book because it's 
so good. You're incredible. <laughs> yes, it's the heavy lifting. And yes, Josie has a book coming. So we are so excited. We'll be the first to announce it when it's out. Oh my gosh, it is so true. So we honor our needs. So getting, I know sometimes it's like, I, I remember one of my friends in the positive psychology world asked me when I was in the muck of things like, Andrea, I'm so sorry, you know, you're going through all this. What are you needing? And I couldn't yeah. answer. I remember answering all the things that I thought that I needed, but I really couldn't even think, I don't even know what I'm needing. Like I, I really couldn't even yeah. answer the question. So yeah. then, you know, it comes to you after a while, like, you know, peace, safety, calm, um, I, you know, and, and it's just incredible that this is really important for us to do and that you're right. As soon as you realize you need to be the victor instead of the victim, it's like you step mm -hmm. into this place that's hard. It's hard. Yeah. You're right. It's like, you got to do that heavy lifting. It's so, you know, you're in the driver's seat. You're yes. So how do yeah. we do that successfully? <laughs> Well, you know what? I mean, it, you might fail forward and there's a concept in coaching called failing forward. You, you yes. take one step and you try again and you take another step and you try again. Um, writing things down is very powerful. I mean, we know this, but if you're writing things down, having a journal, keeping track, understanding where you're, where you're, um, victories are celebrating your little successes. So you may not be out the door yet, but maybe you were able to create a clear boundary. Maybe you're, you did, you de-escalated a situation. Maybe you have enrolled the support of someone that you know is going to be able to really help you. Maybe you've decided to book a massage every two weeks. These are little victories. So you celebrate those, Love it. you know, and once you start celebrating these little victories and these little wins for yourself, it builds your confidences. Cause I'll tell you when I was in my experience of this, this type of a situation, I had actually had a colleague come up to me and said, Josie, I don't know what's going on in your life, but it's like the light went out. Yeah. And it broke me. And I, I literally remember thinking, oh my God, it's that evident. But I was just so diminished from yeah. the experience that I know I couldn't have done it on my own like I enrolled support, like, and I, you know, I'm, I, I really do believe that I, I shouldn't say that I couldn't have done it on my own, but I probably would have taken me an awful lot longer. Yeah. Uh, and for me, the doing it was getting out of that experience. I thought for a long time, it was repairing the experience and, and making, trying to make, you know, this person in my relationship better. But I, I realized in the end that I really needed to save myself and, and exit that situation. So um, trying not to go too roundabout here, but, uh, I thought that was important, you know, that, yeah, we have to celebrate our wins, get support if you feel you need it, um, and write things down and, and, and really start to create a plan in your mind, start visualizing what it is you see for yourself outside of this. Even if it's a healthy, harmonious relationship with that person, really hold it in your mind. What I used to do too, and I, I love everything about this. Um, I used to imagine I would take the head off of the person. <laughs> I know this yeah. sounds crazy, but in my visualization, I would take the head off who it is. It's not, I didn't know who it was, but okay. I, I saw evidence of a loving relationship, someone talking and interacting and being with me in a manner that felt really healthy, that felt, I felt loved. I felt safe. I felt supported. This was when I was doing my love list and manifesting, you know, uh, love into my life and, and new relationship. Um, and it's, it's incredible how, yeah. So sometimes you can just 
you know, visualize and just kind of plan in your mind what you what you desire, what you need, what you want. And and I also back it up a little bit. I love your idea of celebrating the little mini successes. So if you know, just and, and the way you put it, it just gives me goosebumps. It's exactly how I felt. My sparkle went out. My light went out. I was so dull, and I was just you know holding on. And um, it, it breaks my heart to know that there's so many people out there that are also feeling that way. And mm-hmm. you can get your, we're here to tell you, you can get your sparkle back. You can, you, you know, can turn up the, <laughs> the, if your light's on a dimmer, we're going to turn it up full blast, yes. you know, but it's slow and steady, right? So it's little mini successes and it's celebrating your, your wins, whether that's, you know, you get out for a beautiful fresh air walk today, or, you know, you woke up and you put extra effort into getting ready, or you picked a new outfit for some novelty in your life or whatever it is, or you reached out and talked to a friend, whatever that is. I love your idea about, you know, loving yourself first and and this idea of slow and steady and little celebrate the mini successes, building it like a muscle, getting stronger. Totally. You know what? And something just landed for me too. And it's this, I want to make sure that the listeners are going to go walk away with this. And you, you, you know, you capture it when you were saying, we're going to turn that light back up. So even though it's hard, to love yourself first and to, to, to get into some of that uncomfortableness when you put the mirror up and go, oh, that's the part of me that isn't working. And that's part of my dynamic in this relationship that I need to, you know, alter. Um, when you do this work, what's on the other side of it is all that you desire, truly and completely. When you choose yourself and you love yourself first, your life will completely transform in the wildest ways you will never have imagined possible. And so it is completely worth it. And I would say too, when you think about, you know, a concept I've talked about is our soul workbook, what we kind of get downloaded with when we're born into this lifetime, you know, this is your journey. This is your work. If you don't do it now, when are you going to do it? (laughs) Because it's not going anywhere. Do you know, like it it truly, it's, it's there with you to learn and move through that. This is your blessing being in this relationship, being in this situation could be your greatest blessing because what's on the other side of it is just so beautiful. And Josie, you you probably just, re- I don't know if you just heard the last podcast that I uploaded, but it's called The Sweet Spot. And it's about this book and how suffering and pleasure so go hand in hand and that we need that. that. And the, the idea here is that remember and tell yourself when you are suffering or when you are pr- doing the work and putting effort in, that on, remember on the other side of that, there's pleasure, there's meaning. And I know when you're in the muck and I know for some of the listeners, you're there. Um, we can only promise you you that yes, when you love yourself first and you you put the work in and um you know it's moving away from being the brunt or and caught in the line of fire and the you know the the punching bag, so to speak, is moving mm-hmm. from that, putting yourself first, connecting to your needs. Everything we talked about today is so powerful that yes, we promise on the other side of that, there is so much pleasure, there's so much a uh, purpose and meaning and just uh joy, joy that can be had in your life as well. Yeah. So Josie, if you had, you know, a couple final thoughts for the listeners, what would they be? Yeah, you know, final thoughts is that you deserve so much more than this experience. And you have the power within yourself to turn this around and to really free yourself from what is causing you suffering. 
Um, even if you are staying in the experience, there is a way for you to be whole and in your peace. You, you know, it's it truly is available to you. And I, you know, I, I just hope for anyone listening that this could maybe be that that one time, that one moment in their life where they realize, oh my God, I am worth so much more than this suffering. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm going to truly love myself and give myself the space I need to get in touch with what I want so I can create it for myself. Because honestly, no one else will. Oh my gosh, that is beautiful. Oh my gosh, I am worth so much more than this suffering. I love that. That is so beautiful and it's so true. Um, Josie, you are incredible. I know the listeners are going to want to get a hold of you. They want to find where you are. So I am going to put all your links in the show notes, of course. But please, please, please let us know like what you're up to and how people can get a hold of you. Yeah, for sure. I am, um, a, you can get a hold of me through coachjosie.com or soulleap.com. And I am really loving working with my one-on-one clients. Um, it, it's a real joy for me to hold up the mirror. I've actually introduced a new uh, service, which is uh, immediate need coaching, which I'm kind of curious how, how it'll roll. So if anyone's thinking that they're not sure if coaching's for them, but they kind of just want to deep dive, a bit of a confidential window uh, to talk to someone, a professional who could shed some light and clarity on their situation. That's something I'm offering now um, on my website. You can reach me through there. And, you know, before COVID, I used to run lots of retreats and I'm starting to really feel inspired again to create the retreat space. And so I've got a few things under my hat that I'm cooking up uh, right now. And uh, I truly am just so passionate about this work of coaching and positive psychology and you know the fact that the world feels like in my experience that people are really trying to wake up to themselves it just i i believe we're at that time and in, in 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 all of our lives anyway where transformation is inevitable and and you know i hope to be able to support people in that way uh, amazing. Yay. Thank you so much, Josie, for being on the show and um, spreading your knowledge and your wisdom and your intuition and everything and your energy. I just, you know what you are, you have turned up the dimmer switch 100%. <laughs> You're radiant and glowing. And uh, I'm so thankful for you being here. And I know that the listeners will have gotten a lot out of our conversation today as well. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I'm so grateful for you too. You know, you're, you're my uh, guiding, guiding angel here in this writing world and podcast world and a bright light for so many. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. If you want additional support, you can head on over to our website at savingyouiskillingme.com where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We are here for you. You are not alone. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone that's going through this struggle so we can all work together to take our lives back and restore joy. 
thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but week after week. Although I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs. Thank you for